0: Could the Reds actually trade Mike Moustakis? Why, I don't think it's as far-fetched an idea as it sounds, and what it would look like, as well as some Hall of Fame thoughts are all coming up on today's Locked on Reds podcast. Let's get started. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Lock On Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms, and we're talking about the Reds all throughout this lockout and the offseason. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Jeff Carr, the host with the addiction, and I'm a super fan of the Cincinnati Reds. I've turned that addiction into information for you. On today's podcast, we are going to focus in on the idea of of trading Mike Moustakis and what that would mean for this team. I think it would be huge if the Reds could pull off a trade of the moose and letting him loose. We'll also talk about a thought I have about the Hall of Fame announcements that are all coming up and kind of preview something that's coming up on the Locked On MLB Network as a whole. Talking about all that today. Thank you so much for joining me. Speaking of the hall of fame, they announced today that through the uh, early baseball era committee and the golden days era committee, they have added some players and Buck O'Neill highlights that group of players that also includes Jim Cat, Tony Olivier, Gil Hodges, Minnie Minoso and Bud Fowler. More on this in just a minute. Let's start first though, with the most and why making a trade for Mike Moustaka uh, to trade him away would be a good idea and probably the best idea that the Reds might have this offseason that doesn't involve, you know, going and getting other players. The Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo, as well as Tyler Malley, have all been in rumors, but the real effect the front office is going for this offseason is saving cash. It's not as if Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray and Tyler Malley are included in rumors because the Reds are actually looking at trying to rebuild. They've looked at their team. They have a strong young core of controllable players, especially guys like Hunter Green and Nicoladello who are going to be coming up this next season. Because of that, you can kind of squint and see the ability to contend maybe not this year, but next year. If they don't go and trade one or two or, God forbid, all three of those pitchers, if they were to somehow keep those guys, that window of contention might still be open depending on how they add to the team and kind of plug some holes that they have. The Moose, Mike Mostakis, would bring the best result of this because, look, they're trying to save money, and he would bring the best result, obviously. He has the second-highest contract next to Joey Votto on the team. But of course there are pitfalls like health and the fact that this last year was not very good for him when he was healthy. It wasn't healthy very much, but when he did play, he wasn't very good. So you're trading him at his lowest value. I know we're doing this again. The Reds have done this uh, pretty well or not. Well, they've done it frequently. That's what we're looking for. They've done it too much over this past decade. And it's something that really torpedoed the idea of any kind of rebuild that they had going into 2014 and 2015. And they were trading guys at their lowest value and not getting much for them. However, it's something they've got to do here. They've got to be okay with the idea of trading moose at the lowest point of value, because if you can trade Mike Moustakis, and you can get rid of most or all of his contract, you can satisfy your main goal of this offseason to save money. I know that we hate that idea. I know that we as Reds fans want them to spend money. We want them to contend. I have advocated many times that I don't know why they've imposed this self-imposed salary cap for the team. However, that's what the reality is. So to work within that constraint, to understand that this is how the Reds are going to operate. Let's work within those confines. And to work within those confines and to be the most effective, you need to trade Mike Moustakis. The Reds have nearly $28 million this year tied up in third base. We know how we felt about Moustakis. He was not healthy. He wasn't producing well when he was healthy. And he was kind of a drain on the lineup. Pretty much the same for Eugenio Suarez, except for the month of September. He looked pretty good there. But for the... Big part of the season, Eugenio Suarez was kind of a black hole on this lineup as well. $27 million for those two guys to be the platoon at third base. I think that in and of itself would be a worse plan than trying to trade Moose at his lowest value. Plus, here's the other thing to think about. Sure, the return that the Reds will get for Mike Moustakis in any sort of trade probably won't be that impressive. And we won't be talking about a guy who is going to change the fortunes of this team's future, but what they will get is also the ability to not trade away one of those key starting pitchers. We talked about it, how if they had to trade any one of those away, uh, I, I, I would pick Sonny Gray. I wouldn't want to pick any of them. I don't want the Reds to trade any of their top three starting pitchers because if you keep those guys, you have a very strong rotation then with Hunter Green and Nick Lodello and Vladimir Gutierrez and... You know, maybe they maybe they think of a couple other guys in there as well. But you're talking about a very deep starting rotation if you don't trade any one of those three guys. And you're talking about a team that could still make some noise and an NL Central that is ran by the Brewers, but everybody else is just kind of falling in line. The Cardinals did get Steven Matz, and this will be something that we talk about in the weeks to come as we kind of do some out-of-town scouting reports on other teams. But for the most part, I don't look at the Cubs and the Pirates as any sort of thing. I know the Cubs just got Marcus Stroman, but they weren't a Marcus Stroman away from being an amazing team, and they still lost quite a bit. So with all of that being said, the Reds still have an ability to at least contend a little bit if they don't trade away one of these three starting pitchers. and You could do that. By trading like Moustakis and saving that money. Uh, how can they get this done? That's the next thing we got to talk about. I have some thoughts on that. But before we talk about those thoughts, let me give you a thought about your TV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. And another one that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and... You've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and it's from DirecTV. It's a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place that means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again and the best part there's no annual contract plus we're talking about you know consolidating how many profiles you probably have on different streaming networks so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your tv together with direct tv stream you can learn more at directtv.com that's directtv.com compatible devices required and the contents vary by package. All right. The idea of trading moose, it makes sense. Everybody gets that. And it is the best way for the reds front office to make good on their claim for the offseason. It's not get the hitting. It's not get the pitching. It's realigning payroll. They can realign payroll. If they were to make a trade for Mike Moustakis, and that should be what they're focused on. And How they're going to get that done, it's an interesting question. Before we talk about that, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Tomorrow, I want to talk about the impact that a off-season transaction deadline could have on the sport, and I'm going to tell you why I think it's a good idea. All right, I know it's going to be selling low, but the benefits of not trading away Tyler Malley, Sonny Gray, and Luis Castillo are totally worth it. So let's explore how the Reds could get this done. And I'm gonna compare it to something that a division rival just did in the Milwaukee Brewers. They just traded away Jackie Bradley Jr. I don't know if you noticed this, but even in games when the Reds played against the Brewers, Jackie Bradley was pretty much an automatic out. This past season in 387 at bats, his OPS plus was 34, yeah. 34, makes Eugenio Suarez look like an all-star, makes Mike Moustakas look like an all-star, and he was making $13 million this past year. And they were able to make a trade for him. In fact, they had multiple suitors. The trade that they made was Jackie Bradley Jr. and two infield prospects, David Hamilton, who was at Double A, and Alex Beneus, who was drafted in 2021. He was actually their third-round pick. Now, that is something that Nick Kroll has said he's not going to do. He's not going to... Tr- attach prospects to a trade with a big contract just to get rid of that big contract. But I think there's merit here in the fact that both of those guys were not top 15 prospects for the Brewers and the Brewers don't necessarily have the strongest farm system in the world. The Braves or the Reds have a much better farm system than do the Brewers. So if the Reds are able to trade like some kind of like somewhere between 15 and 20, maybe 15 and 25, one of the one or two of those prospects and add them on to a trade of Mike Moustakas. I mean, the Brewers got Hunter Renfro in that deal. Hunter Renfro's pretty decent. He's not going to move the needle a ton. You're not going to all of a sudden say that the Brewers are the best team in the National League because they just got Hunter Renfro. But that is a pretty solid deal and the kind of deal that will still keep the Brewers viable. And in fact, you could even argue that they upgraded from Jackie Bradley Jr. The Reds could easily do this. And not to mention the fact that in their con or in their trade negotiations, the Brewers were actually talking to multiple teams about Jackie Bradley Jr. They were talking to the Blue Jays reportedly for Randall Grichuk. I get it; these guys aren't like amazing. We're not talking about the kind of guys that the Reds could trade Mike Mostakis and Phil Wright field, and you'd feel better about the loss of Nick Castellanos. But they could probably get a reliever. They could probably get a serviceable player for their roster to give them some depth. And all the while, not paying that guy $16 million like they would be paying Mike Mostakis this coming year, should they put together this kind of package. So it's, it's, it's just remarkable to note that they were able to trade a guy like that who had such a terrible year. Moose didn't have that great of a year. Jackie Bradley Jr., probably at the lowest value of his career, still brought back something in return. The Reds could look at the Rockies, who are reportedly looking into signing Chris Bryant. Should they miss out on signing Chris Bryant, the Reds could swoop in and be like, here's Mike Moustakis. You can get him for probably cheaper than Chris Bryant's going to be playing, and you don't have to trade that much for him, just take on the contract. Moose could get a turnaround. That's the other thing here that the Reds and Nick Crawl need to be selling on. Nick Crawl needs to be a little bit of a used car salesman in this, not lie to them by any stretch of the imagination, but accentuate the ability of Moose to bounce back. Moose is a consummate professional and one of the biggest leaders in this locker room. So I think that this is something you could sell another team on, plus the idea that he bounces back, that he's more healthy in 2022, and he has a better year. You could get rid of that contract that way by sending him to Colorado, who is looking for a third baseman. Ironically enough, when you trade Nolan Arenado, apparently you need a third baseman. Yeah. Then you could also look at the Washington Nationals, who have room for him on the payroll and on the roster behind Carter Keyboom. Carter Keyboom is one of their big prospects. Kind of think of Nick Senzel for the Nationals. They have high expectations, and he hasn't delivered on them just yet. So that's a kind of safety blanket that Nick Crawl could advertise to the Nationals. And they've had payrolls in excess of over two hundred million dollars in recent years. But they were only they're like only at one eighteen, one hundred and eighteen million dollars right now. So it's not as if they're trying to go crazy cheap on this. They could totally afford Mike Mostakis, at least, you know, in my head. Or you could look at the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are kind of in a, yeah, we're not really trying to contend mode right now, but we could be close to it in a few years. Maybe trade Mike or maybe trade Moose to the Diamondbacks. Or you know what? Link up with a contender who needs depth and believes in the bounce back that Moose can provide, like the Red Sox, like the Dodgers or something like that. I don't know. I think that there is a deal out there And I don't think it's as complicated as it sounds. I think that Nick Kroll can easily put together some sort of package that doesn't include a top prospect. That's going to just absolutely blow everybody's mind that the Reds are giving up on this guy all the while building something that will help them save the money that they don't have to trade one of their key pitchers and that they can continue to be a viable contending NL central team with a couple of moves after that, but they can do that while doing the expressed goal that Nick Crawl has set out to do, which is realigning payroll. Not as complicated as it sounds. Maybe I'm making it sound too easy. I don't think it's that hard though, but you know what else isn't that complicated and it's not going to mess up your diet built bar. Check out Built Bar today at built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order. They've got all these amazing flavors that are going to just put you in the holiday spirit. And if you're out shopping, like say you're trying to get to like that fifth store of the day, you're trying to get Uncle Joe's gift and you're just like, "Oh my gosh, I am I just need something." Built Bar is going to be perfect for you. And if you're looking for marshmallowy goodness even, they've got Built Bar puffs which are fantastic. By the way, they taste basically like a three musketeer and they've got amazing things like Ruby chocolate puff, which is like a berry kind of chocolate. It's not even, it's not milk chocolate. It's not white chocolate. It's Ruby chocolate that has a bit of a raspberry taste to it. So phenomenal. You're going to want to try it. And all the built bars compact with protein. We're not talking about those just, just chunks of chocolate that are going to make you feel like you just killed your entire diet in one snack. In fact, built bars fit into pretty much any diet you can think of. They're low on sugar, low on fat, high on protein. Get them today at built.com. Use the promo code built or locked 15 to save 15% off your next order. Plus there's a great little hack during the cold months, make yourself a cup of hot chocolate and dip the Built Bar in the hot chocolate. You'll melt the Built Bar just a little bit and get it kind of melty and good. Plus you'll get the flavor of the Built Bar mixed in with the hot chocolate. Try it today, get you some more Built Bars, stock up. Maybe you want to stock a stuffing or two with them as well. Go to Built.com and use the promo code lock 15 to save 15% off your next order the amazingly delicious belt Bar. All right, so we talked a lot about Moose and the idea of trading him and why that would probably be the best idea for the Reds at this juncture. Let's move on. Let's talk about something a little bit different. I I, I talked about the announcement of the players from the Golden Era or the Golden Days Era and the uh, early baseball era committees who are putting in new players to the Hall of Fame, Buck O'Neill starting that got a thought on these hall of fame inductions. And and as we wait on the announcement from the BBWAA voting for the big hall of famers there, I have a thought because Buck O'Neill was omitted from the initial group of Negro league legends that were welcomed into the hall of fame in 2006. And sadly he passed away short or later that year. So he's not going to be able to celebrate his enshrinement in the hall of fame that he so very much deserved. Even back then he's deserved it for a very long time. He's been a huge ambassador for the sport of baseball and a huge ambassador for the Negro leagues and the history that was there. I, I I don't know if you've been on the website baseball reference this at all this past season, but the Negro league statistics are finally now being recognized with all of the major league statistics. So we're being able to celebrate what happened, in the Negro leagues back in the days. I think it's so weird that it took as long as it did to celebrate that because that's an awesome part of the history of baseball. It's also kind of an indictment as to what baseball and what the country itself was like back then that they had to have a separate league. I think it's, it's just crazy that that's the way that history was. And I think where we are right now as a country is still a bit divisive in that regard, but The fact that we are finally being able to bring all this together and celebrate it and that Buck O'Neill is going to be enshrined in the Hall of Fame is key. But this is another area where Major League Baseball shoots itself in the foot, the Hall of Fame. Celebrate the sport with the players who helped build the sport while those players are still able to celebrate with you. I think that that is something that they are constantly getting wrong. In fact, in the players that we named, the six guys on this list, which were Buck O'Neill, Bud Fowler, Jim Cat, Tony Olivier, Gil Hodges, and Minnie Mioso, of those guys, only Jim Cat and Tony Olivier are alive. Only two of the six are going to be able to celebrate their enshrinement. And I understand that there's this element of exclusivity that the hall of fame has tried to adopt and try to really push over the course of its history. And the idea that you have to be so-and-so and and you have to do so well. And I understand that the on the field accomplishments, but there there's also guys on this current ballot that the baseball writers are going to be voting on that have the asterisks and have the question marks off the field. But they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame for their on-field accomplishments. This is about baseball. This is about how good a player was on the field and the con- the contributions that they gave to the game on the field. I get it. They're probably not the best of people. We're not looking at choir boys here. In fact, there's plenty of players who are currently in the Hall of Fame that have lots of questionable personal traits and, and, and different things about them. There's some guys who, you know, like I I always think of uh, Tris Speaker who was just an absolute jerk and he really advocated for the segregation of baseball. He's one of the best players that ever played the game, but he was a terrible human being. That guy's in there. Why, Why can't some of these guys, why can't there be another wing? Like, I get it. If they've got asterisks, like the steroid guys or something like that, and you can, induct them into the hall of fame and maybe on their plaque, he just put, Hey, look, this is what this dude did. We didn't really like it, but what he did for the game of baseball cannot be overstated and can't be overlooked. And yes, this includes Pete Rose. <sighs> yeah, I know. I mentioned Pete Rose. I know this is going to be terrible, but he deserves to be in the hall of fame as well. I understand the whole gambling thing. And I understand that off the field, he's not the best of person, not the most exemplary kind of guy. But we're talking about the Hall of Fame for baseball and the contributions that they had on the field. Why are we told to overlook them by a group of writers who gets to vote on this? Why are we subject to what those writers believe and what those writers force on these different players? Look, when it comes to a guy like Pete Rose, I'm not going to make excuses for him, but he's the all-time hit king. How can we overlook that? Barry Bonds, he's the all-time home run guy. How can we overlook that? you want to put these players in a different wing, if you want to put notes on their plaques and put asterisk by them, fine. But there are plenty of players in the hall right now. I've talked about this who are not model citizens and they're in the hall right now and being celebrated, celebrate what they did on the field. Let us understand what kind of person they were and let us make the judgments that we need to make outside of that because it's the hall of fame. It's not the hall of morals. I'm not going to the Hall of Fame to to point to this player or to point to that player and be like, that's the guy I want to model my life after. That's the guy that I want my kids to to look after or something like that. My kids in the future. Not right now. I don't have kids. But looking in the personality of a player is not something that I'm talking about with the Hall of Fame. I want to know what they did on the field, and we'll go from there as far as like Asterisks and question marks and personality things. I think that Barry Bonds and I think Roger Clemens and I think those guys deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Vote them in. It's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Morals. Thanks again for making Locked on Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. Now go make Locked on Bets your hashtag second listen of the day. As your boy Q and Lee Sterling help you make a couple of bucks over at betonline.ag, that's Locked on Bets, just like Locked on Reds, free and available wherever. You get your podcast coming up tomorrow an off season transaction deadline and why it would work and why I think the major league baseball really needs to consider this. That's coming up tomorrow. Thanks again for listening today. It might be the off season, but we're locked on reds every single day.